that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. This is your Friday Buckeye Talk. It's been a pretty eventful week. So this is just going to be a rapid fire pod. And this first section of the rapid fire questions is just going to be Nick Saban themed because Nick Saban retired on Wednesday night. At least he is expected to retire as, as of Wednesday night. And so there are a lot of questions revolving around that idea. And so to just get straight into it here, 614-350-3315 if you want to ask questions like this one right here from the 513. What do you think of the impact of Nick Saban retiring will have on recruiting and the portal when it opens again? Do you think it is a good opportunity to steal some recruits, and in parentheses, especially on the offensive line? Nathan, over the past two cycles especially, I mean, Alabama's been a recruiting monster since Nick Saban got there in 2008. They've had, I think, like seven or eight number one recruiting classes, and I don't think they ever finished outside of like the top four or five when Nick six. Nick Saban's gotten there, but during the Ryan Day era, we've seen some guys that maybe at one point it felt like they were going to be Buckeyes turn into Crimson Tide, where you're talking about J.C. Latham, talking about Caleb Downs, maybe Caden Proctor, you can throw him in there, and Keon Keeley. Obviously, a, a situation like this, it probably opens up a chance for maybe players to go elsewhere and look to play elsewhere. Do you think Ohio State should be in the market if some of these players do decide to move on with their careers at some point? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, positionally, depending on what you're talking about, yeah, they, they probably should be. But it, I think the big the big thing here is if, if guys decide to move on, like that's the first thing that has to happen. And I mm-hmm. I don't want people to get too excited about this idea that just because Nick Saban is retiring, that there's going to be like a, this max ex- ex- exodus from Alabama. That's still a strong collection of talent. Guys go there for reasons that are beyond just the head coach. So I, I it, it, this isn't a thing where – a sometimes when you see a coach firing that's when you see a a mass exodus because things haven't been going well there well Alabama was in the playoff Mm -hmm. Alabama just won the SEC championship this hasn't been a a downward spiral at Alabama it's just a 72 year old coach decided he's 72 years old and it's time to go do something else and I I would just caution people not to get overly excited about the possibility of a bunch of guys now being available for Ohio State having said that they clearly have used this in the past where previous connections can become advantageous when the transfer portal does open for somebody or somebody does put themselves in the transfer portal. So, I mean, the one that I think rises above all the others is Caleb Downs just because that was such, from everything we heard, a close call between him and Ohio State. I'm sorry, between Alabama and Ohio State that really came down to the wire with someone that Ohio State highly, highly coveted. Ryan Day couldn't mention him by name when he made his his big speech that, uh, that Doug was at for us that involved the, the, the that $13 million statement that kind of went around the world as far as what it was going to take to keep a, a, a roster together. But he was using – there was a – talking kind of vaguely, oh, there's this great receiver, the number one receiver in the country. We want to get him. And um, NIL is going to be a factor there. And it it was definitely someone that Ohio State had prioritized in that class and just couldn't quite get there. So that's the one that maybe I think looms out there the largest. At the same time, with Lathan Ransom coming back, uh, if they like, you know, 
they really like what they have in Malik Hartford. Um, there's not a, a huge obvious like need for him, but he clearly would be an upgrade. So it's it's something to that's the one I have maybe keeping my eye on the most. I I, I look at it more of like very specific individual examples, but until mm-hmm. the guy actually goes in the portal, I, I wouldn't get too excited about it. Yeah, this is all hypothetical talk. Caleb Downs has not actually done anything. I know that's what what happened last Wednesday night when Nick Saban retired was announced that Nick Saban was retiring. But Caleb Downs, Keon Keeley, Andrew, none of these guys have done anything quite yet. But I do want to look at this from the recruiting's perspective. Like I said, Alabama's been a recruiting juggernaut in college football and quite frankly been the standard both on and off the field when in terms of recruiting and what their on-field product looks like basically for the past 17 years. You take that off the board. You take the Saban part of it out, out of it, because we've even talked about this off-air, the fact that sometimes a kid just wants to go play for Nick Saban. Well, if you take Nick Saban out of that equation, we'll see who Alabama ends up hiring, and there's questions about that too. But how does that impact the recruiting space of this and maybe – where a lot of that talent that was just going to Alabama simply because it's Nick Saban. How does that impact things from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, you know, there's a couple guys um, that, you know, that you could look at that maybe, you know, want to reconsider. Um, you know, there was a receiver that decommitted from Alabama like an hour after the the Saban news. Um, you know, Jamie French is a guy in the 2025 class at Ohio State kind of remains interested in and remains trying to talk to. He's committed to Ohio, He's committed to Alabama right now. Uh, he committed over the summer, and you wonder, does that open things up? You know, there are guys that you wonder if, that are committed in, you know, 2025 or, you know, or leans in 2025 where you're like, well, is that is that going to is that going to stick now? Um, you know, like you you guys put it like this with the, um, you know, with the transfer portal and, and Nathan kind of took the words out of my mouth. I do want to caution people that. The sharks might circle, but nothing might come of it because who's like the number one rumor as we record this podcast on Thursday is that Dan Lanning is going to be Alabama's coach. Like the NIL stuff for Alabama is not going to go away, right? You know, the NIL things that, you know, that, that partially lead kids to Alabama, that's not, that's not ending, right? Like the Alabama boosters aren't going to just sit around and say like, oh, you know what? We had a good run. Let's, uh, let's become Auburn now. That's not what's going to happen. You know, Dan Lanning, I, I, if, if he is indeed their coach, I think very highly of Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning, I don't think he would be Nick Saban because I don't, I'm not going to put the he's going to be the greatest college football coach of all time barometer on him. But Dan Lanning, I think, is a really, really good coach. And if you bring Dan Lanning in and you keep the NIL program going and you keep kind of everything that keeps Bama as much as you can, that's a pretty good system still. And Alabama, like this isn't a Texas A&M situation where dudes are just going to bail and dudes just aren't even going to consider, you know, going to, you know, that school anymore because the coach is gone or whatever, or how, whatever different reason you want to say. So it's going to matter, but I, I am skeptical of how much people are going to look at Alabama and just say, yeah, you know what? I don't know anymore because Alabama is still going to have a lot going for them. And I, I I think it's still going to be tough to pry kids out of the South from Alabama because yeah, you know what? It's, it could be a benefit for Ohio state, but guess who else is also thinking this right now? 
every school in the South, right? Like every Auburn, Georgia, LSU, like all these other schools that are in the South, you know, where a lot of this high school talent is, they're thinking the same thing that Ohio State is. So I don't know if there's going to be some great big benefit to Ohio State, you know, that Nick Saban is gone. I'm going to hold judgment on the Alabama still going to be Alabama when Nick Saban is gone. Because it's not like Alabama was lighting the world on fire before Nick yeah. Saban got there. In I'm not going to say. So I, yeah, I get what we're. Well, I get where yeah. we're. That was quite a while ago, it. though. <laughs> that yeah. was quite a while ago, though. He is. He has changed what Alabama is. He has. That's. It, it kind of depends on who the next hire is because. Sure. I mean, you could have said the same thing about Ohio State when Urban Meyer left. It's like, okay, let's see, let's see what the hire is. Let's see where this goes with Ryan Day. Nobody was just all in on Ohio State still going to be Ohio State once Urban Meyer left. So I think let's see who they hire first before they make that decision. Before we get any deeper into this, Nathan, I just think just to get people details from the four four zero, what are the transfer rules when it comes to a coach leaving? Do the players have a specific time to enter the portal? Just for the sake of since we're having this conversation and we're saying, hey, be caught, don't expect a whole bunch of people to go in the portal on Tuesday afternoon just because this happened. But what is the window? What are the details that go into when your coach leaves? And I don't think it's it details whether it's whether they get fired or not. It's just if the coach is no longer there. Right. And and yes, there is a specific window. It's a 30 day window. Mm-hmm. And I, what I don't know is whether it starts with when Chris Lowe from ESPN uh, puts out the tweet that this is happening Mm -hmm. or whether it's when Nick Saban tells the team or when Nick Saban files his official paperwork. I don't know what moment triggers that 30-day window. It's probably when the coach himself announces something. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'd have to ask someone in compliance that, and I guess that would be an interesting question for us next time we talk to those people, though it rarely comes up. It may someday come up for Ohio State, though, so it's something we should, I guess, know. But, yes, there's a 30-day window that is sort of its own it, its own transfer portal window that's exclusive to that team. For instance, when um, – I'm trying to think. There, were, there have been times during the season when firings have happened during a season and players have gone in the portal then late in a season after a coach has been fired late in the season. Or we've also seen, um, you know, when Michigan State um, – uh, that's actually that's that's the example like Mel Tucker when he was fired midseason like so yes there is a 30-day period um, which is a little bit tricky right now though anyway because classes have started a lot of places including Ohio State classes have started at Alabama so anybody you're getting through the portal at this stage I, I don't know if it's 100% sure that they would be here for spring football especially if it's they don't get in the portal for a few weeks and then there's a process that you go through with visits and stuff. Like it may be we're getting darn near February before somebody actually would be getting on campus. So keep that in mind too, that it's yes, there is a window, but this is a, an an inconvenient time to try to have a window to get guys in for the spring. Anyway. Now, if, if Caleb Downs wants to come here and can't come here in the spring, I think Ohio state would be fine with that. There's plenty of other players on this, Alabama roster you would say that about but again there's a there's a very quick immediate reaction and it's it's certainly worth pointing out that this window opens but I think the second shoe hasn't dropped yet which is who is actually going to succeed uh, Nick Saban and that person is going to come in 
and doesn't have to go out and do any other recruiting. That's the other thing that happens a lot in coaching changes when they come in at the end of a regular season or whatever, is now that coach mm-hmm. has to go out and finish off his recruiting class and worry about the transfer portal and worry about guys coming in from the portal. Whoever takes this Alabama job comes in with one thing on his mind, and that's keeping every single great player that they have in Tuscaloosa. So remember that too, that this isn't the same like free agency free for all that the portal is postseason. This person's going to come in and probably like leave his press conference and go right to Caleb Downs's parents or grandma or whoever it is and, and become their best friend. Well, and to, to, to add into that, it's like, when you think of like a situation like USC at or you at like I'm trying to think of other examples like USC or kind of other big time programs like a coach comes in and conversations are just like hey like we're gonna bring in 40 transfers this year you know we got to change this like like you said it's not a we're not gonna they're not gonna change this like Dan Lanning's not going in there going we got to bring some Oregon guys to this Alabama program. But, but there's nobody to add right now, really, unless they're just right, guys exactly. who are still in the portal at this point. Since you keep bringing up Dan Lenny, that's not official yet. And I don't think anybody has actually reported that no. Dan Lenny has anything to do without – these are just betting odds, by the way. That's not uh, that's not actually a factual thing right now. But since you keep bringing his name up, and our text has brought him up as well because everybody sees what happens on the app formerly known as Twitter, from our guy Josh Mustachio, do you guys think it's better for Ohio State and Coach Day to have Dan Lenning stay in Oregon – I'll go to Alabama. Andrew, we'll start with you. Oregon is officially in the Big Ten with football. Other sports are still doing Pac-12 stuff. But football, the football team is officially preparing to play in the Big Ten next year. Dan Lenning had two pretty quality years at Oregon, and the recruiting has looked awesome the first two years. Or he can go to Alabama in the SEC where you got to get on the playoff stage to face him. What's better for Ohio State? Well, it's better for Ohio State if he gets out of the Big Ten. Um, yeah. You know, it's better for Ohio State if you don't have to play him every couple of years or maybe every other every year, every other year with the Big Ten championship game. Like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to have that because go look at Oregon's recruiting classes for like the last like two years. They've been really good and not just good in like a traditional Pac-12 RIP type of way where it's, you know what, we're just going to have a bunch of dudes that throw it all over the yard and what do you mean offensive and defensive lines? What is that? Like they were building something really good on the defensive line. You know, they had a really high four-star player on the defensive line in uh, Elijah rushing. They had a five-star defensive lineman. Like they were building or they are building, I should say something pretty good and something pretty special in Oregon. Like that's a program that can compete with Ohio state in the big 10. If kind of Oregon continues on this trajectory, like, that's the level that Oregon's recruiting at. And that would be a problem for Ohio State, right? If Lanning goes to Alabama, then I think the I I think it would be, you know, you could say that, oh, they'll, they'll you know, they won't ever see him because he's not in the conference. Well, in a 12 team playoff world, you're gonna have to beat everybody. And if if Lanning can kind of keep Alabama on the tracks or even if Alabama just regresses a little bit and they're still, you know, they're still really good, but they're just not kind of what Saban's Alabama was, which is probably likely. They're still really good. You still have to go through them. So I'm not going to say that, like, you're dodging a bullet if Lanning goes to Alabama, because, again, in a 12-team playoff world, 
if Alabama just beats everybody and Ohio State does what everybody thinks Ohio State can do in a playoff, you're going to run into them at some point. There's no, hey, we got lucky and Alabama lost this game and we avoided them in the playoff or something like that. You're going to have to beat everybody and you're going to have to get through everybody. So it would still matter if he goes to Alabama and, and can kind of keep Alabama going. But yeah, you you don't want him in the Big Ten. And if, you know, if Landon kind of is what, you know, early returns are about him. So uh, yeah, it, it's certainly the Oregon job. So I actually was going to say that, and I'm maybe reconsidering uh, for this reason and this reason alone. And if this changes, then it'll change my answer. But currently, Ohio State is scheduled to play Oregon uh, this coming season in 2024. Uh, in 2026, they play them at home. 2024 on the road, 2026 at home, and 2027 at Oregon. So three times between now and 2028. They don't play them in 2028. Ohio State is scheduled to play Alabama in 2027 and 2028. So it has almost as many regular season games scheduled against Alabama as it does against Oregon in the next five years. And then on top of that, you do have the... When, when Ohio State is right, and it's not far from right right now, but when Ohio State is right, it is on this pretty exclusive tier of college football. And if you can deprive one of the other teams at that tier, because Ohio State should be on a tier above Oregon. So if you can deprive the Alabama, who has been on a tier of its own, if you can knock Alabama off that perch by denying them the coach that they want and making them go farther down the line to find somebody and maybe just take them that much farther away from having a sure thing, I don't know. I think there might be that might be beneficial. I I I was very almost snap calling on agreeing with with Andrew because I think in general you would rather weaken your conference, weaken the thing that's yeah. right in front of you, weaken the conference opponent to um to ease your path into the playoff whatever. But the path has already been eased. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to be uh, you don't have to win a tougher division anymore. You just have to be one of the two best teams to make the Big Ten Championship game. And then anytime you just go at least 10-2, and two, you're going to the playoff as, as Ohio State. So that, has already been, that path has already been eased. I think if you're looking at things from a greater perspective, where does Ohio State have more critical recruiting battles? Is it in the Pacific Northwest, where it's certainly gotten some great players in the Pacific Northwest? Mm-hmm. Emeka Ibuka, who, by the way, just announced this Thursday is recording this. He's coming back for 2024. JT Tuimaloao, who has not yet announced that, but has been great here. Like They've gotten players out there that are awesome. But where do we judge Ohio State's recruiting successes and failures? By what they do against the big boys in the South. And if you can weaken one of those big boys in the South, even just for a short window, I... I think maybe that's the answer. I think if 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 not getting Dan Lanning means Oregon or means Alabama has to take someone who seems like less of a sure thing. And I don't know that I, I agree with you, Andrew. I like Dan Lanning a lot. I don't know that anybody is like a sure thing to go into Alabama and win. Nick Saban did some very unique things there. Not that Alabama hadn't been great in its previous history, but as Stephen pointed out, was not on a a path of of dominance certainly when it when it brought in Nick Saban and and he made it what it is today so to keep that going as Ryan Day has seen with Ohio State in a in a different uh, uh, 
capacity isn't necessarily the smoothest ride always. So if you can, if, if there's any chance that by not giving them, if he is their number one choice, if he stays at Oregon, while that does keep a great coach in the big 10, if it means you could substantially weaken Alabama, because I think of Alabama, even with Oregon coming to the big 10, at least the way I look at college football right now, and I think the way a lot of fans would look at college football, Alabama still seems like the greater impediment to a national championship than having a strong Oregon in the Big Ten. Do you think I'm wrong about that? No, I think you're correct. And part of the re- for one, I think Andrew, you're a lot higher on Dan Lanning than I am right now. I, I think he's a really good coach. I also don't I don't know what his best his best his best and loudest win so far is that he talked a bunch of trash before he played a Colorado team who shouldn't have been ranked as high as they were. And then he went out and smacked them around like he should have smacked them around. Like the first time we got introduced to him, Georgia smacked him around. He lost to Washington twice, even though he's been favored in both of those games. So it's like I'm do some winning first before I get all the way there with the Dan Lanning thing. But I do think his ceiling is high as a head coach. I know his ceiling is higher if you put him in Alabama, which just he doesn't have to leave the state as much to go get talent because Alabama routinely has highly rated guys, the type of guys he's trying to go get. He has to Oregon doesn't have this like large array of talent. And I know you brought up the Pacific Northwest, Nathan, but uh, Emeka Buka, G. Scott, uh, JT Tuimaloal, that's the only time Ohio State's ever been in Washington. So it's not like. Ohio State's living in the Pacific Northwest. It's more about California. And if this past year for USC was maybe a blip on the road to maybe Lincoln Riley getting out to where it's supposed to be, what if UCLA gets it together? Uh, Washington looks very good too. Oregon's already got to compete with the three other teams coming to the Big Ten for the talent that it needs just in its region. So it's already going to be difficult for Dan Lanning to do what he wants to do on a recruiting trail, what he did in 2024 on a year-in, year-out basis. I don't know if it's fair to expect him to have a top five, top seven class every single year when you're dealing with that and you can't go fill at least half your class with people who are in your backyard. I do know if you put him in Bama, (laughs) if you put him in the SEC, which is where he made his chops as a defensive coordinator, that becomes much more difficult. I do agree with you, though, Nathan. If we were still living in a 14 playoff world, this is easy. Send Dan Lanning to Alabama. You might may or may not have to deal with him once every three or four years, depending on how the seeding is. But this is a 12-team playoff where I think the Big Ten at worst gets three teams in every single year which is the two teams playing in the big 10 championship game and then whoever finishes third and maybe even some years it gets four so having good teams in your conference especially 18 when it's an 18 team conference right now having six good teams i don't think is that harsh on ohio state's chances of getting into the playoff while you know, I mean, you're going to play good teams when you get in the playoffs, so I'm not that worried about him, about whether or not they would pay somebody at Alabama or Georgia or anywhere else. So I agree with you. I think just keep him in the Big Ten, and let's see what he does there. I think he's on a good start right now, but I got to see him actually go win a big game first, and then also can he keep up this recruiting efforts as everybody else around him maybe improves as well. Interesting conversation, though. I think Dan Lanning's an interest. It's an interesting conversation for sure. Couple more Bama questions. We can have this big takeout when we do our tears pot later this offseason, Nathan. But I do think just that just to get us in the ball rolling and us thinking in that direction from the seven four zero 
with Alabama out, at least as of right now, until we know who they hire, and we don't know who that person is yet. And even when they do make that a hire, who's to say it won't be a bad hire? Because it happens. Some, Texas did it. They had Mac Brown, who won him a national championship, and then they proceeded to make bad hires for a couple of years there, and it took them until Steve Sarkeesian to really get back on track. But with Alabama out, that leaves Ohio State and Georgia to lock up the top two. Who's next up? LSU, Miami, Colorado, dare I stay Michigan? No, because Harbaugh won't stay. So they're in the corner of Jim Harbaugh is going to not be Michigan's head coach next year. So I guess their question, Nathan, is who do you think the top three programs are right now? If we think Jim Harbaugh is not going to be at Michigan, and right now we don't know who Alabama's head coach is. Yeah, I, that is. I mean, we should. I, I, I had kind of advocated. We've been kicking around the tears redux yeah. for a while. And I was kind of pushing like, oh, maybe we should wait and do this more. Like, no, we probably should do it next week. Like, yeah, 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 enough yeah, stuff sure. has happened now that I almost think it's worth mm-hmm. maybe – we're going to know Alabama's coach, I think, by next week. In the next they, five they, days, I would assume. Yeah, the, the, the report was that players are told 72 hours when, when this meeting happened on Wednesday. So we may know it by the weekend. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, um, new listeners to the pod, a couple years ago uh, we did a – we did an exercise where we took all the power five teams and put them into the tiers of college football. And there were like seven tiers. And I think at the time, do we have Alabama on in its own tier? Maybe Alabama. I think maybe Alabama was its we own had, tier. We had Bama on its own tier and we had Ohio we all had State and Clemson. We all had different votes, but yeah, I'm trying but, to remember what our consensus yeah. was. And then like, and then like yeah. Ohio State and Clemson were maybe together. And yeah, and it's it's more it's about like what have you done recently? What is the prestige of your program overall? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. As a like all those things factor into it. And things have changed. Things have certainly changed. This was before Michigan had beaten Ohio State again. We did it before twenty twenty one. Before Ohio State had beaten Michigan again, or before Michigan had beaten Ohio State once again, let alone three times. So it's worth a reexamination. And it might be worth a reexamination regardless of who Alabama hires. But we'll know it by next week. So maybe I think next week would be a good time to, to pull this out. I don't know who I think the top three are. I guess I'll, I mean I think you have to say. I mean I think, I mean Alabama has been as great as it's been, and it just won the SEC. And was in the playoff. So if you're gonna try to argue that Georgia is a top three, then I don't know how you don't argue Alabama is a top three. So I think that's two of them. And then I don't know that I. I don't know that I would like as I'm kind of playing this out in my head. I don't know if I would push any other team up onto that same level just yet. I think there's a uh, big batch of contenders, and I think if 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 that was like a consensus, if you were like, well, yes, Alabama for everything it's done for the past 20 years and Georgia for everything it's done for the past three, four, whatever, those two deserve to be linked kind of together as like the standard, then you could have a pretty big tier two, right? And that could include Ohio State and Michigan, could include, um, you know, do you put Texas there already? Like then you've got this group of like Texas, Washington, Oregon, Florida State, eh, that's even, I don't know. Clemson has certainly fallen off from the last time we did this. Like, it's it's a more wide open 
ranking right now, I think. Before you go, Andrew, Nathan, can I? So Michigan's won three straight Big Ten titles. They've been to the playoff three years in a row. They finally broke through and actually won a playoff game, and <laughs> they went and won another one and won a national championship. They're last starting quarterback and we're not sure what jj mccarthy's doing or not right now but as of right now jj mccarthy has only lost one game as a starter and i understand that even if jim harbaugh comes back they're going to be reloading a lot of things but if some of this is just like what you've done for me lately since the last time we've done this michigan has been i think they've put together a resume where i think they're third now there might i, I, well, I, I there again. might be in, you know, I, there might be a gap between them and Alabama and Georgia right now. But also, they beat Bama. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I think Michigan's up there. If we're going to do this next week, then let's not get bogged down in the discussion yeah. today on this pod. Yeah, let's yeah, wait yeah, and do yeah. it next week because uh, there's a lot. Th- this is be this will be a big part of that discussion. So, yeah, let's just lock yeah, ourselves uh, into it. We're going to know all the NFL choices yeah. by early next week for Ohio State players, and um, we've got a pod that we're we've already got keyed up for Monday. But sometime mm-hmm. next week, I think this will be something for us to to delve into because I, I think it is kind of it helps set the stage of what's at stake for Ohio State this offseason. I hope we know a little bit more about Harbaugh, too, because that might be the only one that's still out there. But still, yeah. we can probably still have this conversation because it might be worth waiting until we get that answer. That does. I know <laughs> I, that almost changes more how I think of Michigan than how I think of Alabama in a weird way. Okay, yeah, 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 let's hold it. Let, let, yeah, let's hold the conversation. Let, let's hold it. Because this is like an hour and a half long pod, and this is not an hour and a half long pod. This is going to be like a 45-minute pod. Let's take a quick break right there, and then we'll switch gears with some other questions here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Get the text, 614-350-3315. We're giving, doing a rapid-fire pod for the Friday pod. If you want to ask questions, if you want to get news directly to your phone, if you want to get analysis every time something has happened, listen, straight to your phone before anywhere else. It's a two-week free trial, and it's three ninety nine after that, 614-350-3315. Last Alabama-related question here, Andrew. Would Ryan Day consider Alabama from the 614? Would Alabama I mean, consider Ryan Day? That's, I think, the better question. Yeah, would, would Alabama look at Ryan right. Day and let's ask that question? All right, cool. Let's let's re, re let's remix their question from the six one four. Would Alabama consider Ryan Day? No, I don't think they would. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think you could look. Ryan Day is a very good coach, and the things that he's done at Ohio State have been very good. They've won a lot of games. Um, their recruiting classes are good. Not only that, they recruit the offensive side of the ball incredibly well. Um, CJ Stroud just came out on ESPN this past week, and I forget the exact phrasing, but he called Ryan Day like a world renowned play caller, I believe. A guru might have been used. Like, you got a dude who's going to win rookie of the year and who's you know, kind of setting up to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL for a long time. And that dude's out there singing your praises. That goes a long way and that matters. But if I'm Alabama, I'm looking at it and going, you know, Ohio State, first off, I think we're, we might be in for a soliching of at Nebraska for whatever happens with the Alabama next coach. You know, like Solich went 58 and 19 at Nebraska and they fired him. Like, I wonder if that's where we're headed at Alabama because. Guy goes nine and three and they might just, you know, 
say, see you, man, this ain't good enough, you know, against that SEC schedule that might not be unavoidable at some point, but that might not be good enough because it's not saving. And what is Ryan Day not done the last three years? Beat your biggest rival. And I understand the Ohio State Michigan game is kind of bigger and, you know, more passionate maybe than the Iron Bowl kind of on a national level. But the Iron Bowl still matters a lot to a lot of different people. And we've seen some real kind of mediocre Auburn teams hang with Alabama. This year it happened. And if you can't win your rivalry game, it, like it, of Ohio State, Michigan, you know, that being kind of the number one rivalry in the sport, I think a lot of people would say, what's number two? And they would immediately think the Iron Bowl. Well, if you can't win your rivalry game, that's going to matter a whole heck of a lot down in Alabama, too. So I don't think... Nick Saban lost to Auburn a couple of times during his career. I know. And then what happened? They lost They won a bunch of national Auburn. championships. Nick yeah, Saban had more first-round picks than they did losses at Alabama. Like, like Yeah, that's th- what I'm saying. That's like, the I don't, thing. Too, no, I'm just combating your point of like... It matters a whole lot more down there with the Auburn. It, it matters, of course, and it matters. Been yeah, some crazy things with that one too. But I don't think it's as like I don't know if 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 Ryan Day's and if you take this entire career Ryan Day's had so far the last five years and you just flip it and he's at Alabama doing this and Nick Saban's just been up here. I don't know if Alabama fans, if there's like a section of Alabama fans saying fire Ryan Day, like there have been a section of this fan base saying fire. Fire Ryan Day. Like I don't There's think it's the same. There's a set. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. What do you think, Nathan? I don't know that either side would be that interested in this marriage right now. Mm-hmm. I think from Alabama's standpoint, you're probably looking. I mean, one of the reasons Dan Lanning's name has come up is not just because he's had two good years at Oregon. It's because he was at Georgia before that, so he knows he has yeah. before. He did a stint at Alabama, so he knows what's going on down there. And Ryan Day has never coached in the south and i'm not saying that you have to have done that i mean i'm trying to think back i don't think even in his I, he did a little in his Florida. early days like climbing the ladder right but yeah. but not in a substantial way it's not been it's been the it's the blip on his coaching climb which has mostly mm-hmm. been east coast west coast midwest so culturally i don't know that it's a great fit uh, we're already seeing that you know uh, it's it's tough on you here going 11 and two and not winning the the one right game. And I think Alabama would maybe not be as in danger of having that one wrong game that you can't win bite you, but the still that pressure is not less. It's not less pressure to win at Alabama. And now you're succeeding a legend. You're succeeding the greatest coach of all time. Like it, it was bad enough to succeed urban Meyer like you're succeeding Nick Saban who made Alabama this gold standard uh I just I don't think that that's something that probably appeals to Ryan Day that much I also think that if you're looking at it from Alan from Alabama's standpoint you'd have to pay you're gonna have to pay a buyout probably to get any big time coach Mm -hmm. so is is Ryan Day the one that you're that is like is is he worth the buyout more than some of the other guys you could get for the, the same cost who maybe do have more a better cultural fit um, and frankly are at a place where uh, you don't maybe win the press conference as much with Ryan Day. And I think some of that is unfounded that uh, right now there's there's I think nationally there has been too much made of Ryan Day supposedly not being able to win these big games. Um, clearly he needs to 
break through and win one of them. But, you know, coming up one point short against Georgia in the circumstances that were in that game is, is not a big failure. You know, coming up short against Clemson in 2019, it's disappointing, um, especially the way that game played out. But as a first year head coach, I don't think it, I don't consider it like a massive failure. And those are the things that are still getting kind of counted against him almost in the national realm. But because of that, I, I think it would be a harder sell for Alabama fans, too. I think somebody who is more of an SEC guy would be an easier sell. And Nick Saban maybe wasn't SEC at his heart from from his own coaching path that he took into this, but he had been he had won a national championship at, at LSU before he went back to mm-hmm. Bama, and I, that gave him a different credibility when they were bringing him in. Serious question, because I think the culture point is fair. He's he spent one year at Florida as a GA, and it was in 2005. I didn't yeah. I didn't even realize that he really has just been in the Northeast and the Midwest and the West Coast his entire career. That's insane. Do you what is there another program out there that you think if different real, reality? Ryan Day gets hired by School X. What school is that where you'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That's kind of a culture fit amongst the teams that you're who are like in the national championship college football playoff conversation. I think maybe none. I I think oh. that family things are important to to Ryan. He's said that before, and I believe him. Um, from other conversations and. I don't know that he's that he looks at it that way. Like, plus he's getting paid again. This is why Ohio State pays its head coach once it's once yeah. they've had success as a top five coach. Like, who who's going to pay him enough right now to hire him away from Ohio State? That's that's a factor there. But if we're talking about just from his perspective. I don't know what he would look at and say is a better job than Ohio State. And I think he might be right. I think you can always argue that this is the best from facilities and money, both what they pay you and what they bring in and put into the program. I think there are some facility upgrades and things like that that can that are still coming and can happen. But like all those things, like you could argue, and the fact that you should be this like singular entity in the north. And now Wisconsin, or Washington and, and Oregon have made some incursions into that. But like you can be this this single entity in the north while everybody else in the south is fighting it out. I I think he would look at this and say there isn't a better college football job. So if it's him making a decision to like pursue another college job, that would surprise me a, a lot. I, I now NFL jobs, okay, let's talk. I think that that at some point will be a discussion for him, but. I don't think he probably looks around and, and at other college jobs and says, I envy what those jobs are in their totality. He may sometimes envy the <laughs> how much money the boosters throw around for NIL at certain places and things like that. I, I get it. <laughs> but that doesn't nec- that that's one aspect of a job. That's not the job in its totality. For the record, Dan Lennon came out and said he's staying at Oregon. So th- this is, like I said, th- that's why I was – like cautioning the how much we were talking about Dan Lanning and Alabama conversation because that just I'm not going to say 100%. I've heard coaches say I will not take this job and then very much turn around and then take that job. So I don't want to say it's 100% certain that he's not leaving it. Uh yeah. It, it doesn't surprise me though if he if he truly doesn't want to go there right now because it's 
you're succeeding Nick Saban. Yeah, you're that's not, yeah, that's not the greatest, <laughs> the single greatest standard that this sport has ever seen as far as like championship yeah. achievement. Like, I don't want to follow that. Yeah, I don't want to be the I guy following you, that. You want to be well, you know, it's smart, honestly. You go there after the guy who right. goes there after yeah. the legend right. because when that right. guy bombs, you say because you know what to, to the right to bring this back to Ryan Day. Ryan Day having to follow Urban Meyer can sometimes be annoying, especially because now we're so we're we're removed enough from the Urban Meyer part of this that it's almost romanticized and that Urban Meyer was perfect and Urban Meyer would never let this happen. Oh, Urban Meyer would never let this happen. Which whether it's true or not, that's what you have to deal with when you follow the dude who's like you know a legend. At the job. So, I, yeah, maybe that's why he doesn't want to go there. It's like, no, I'm going to stay over here to Nathan's point. I'm going to do my own thing. Maybe I win a national title here. And then in a couple of years, then when I go there, I can, like, save. It's one. It's better to be called the savior of a program than to be the guy who has to keep up a standard that you didn't create. And I'm guaranteeing you Ryan Day will probably agree. He probably wouldn't say it on the record, but if you asked him just off to the side, he would probably agree with that because look at the stress he has to deal with and look at the stress Dan Landing doesn't have to deal with because Oregon was like kind of teetering before he got there. Jim Harbaugh got to start from scratch, and now everybody loves him, even if it did get a little wonky there for a little bit. I I was going to say, yeah, like to to Nathan's point, Nick Saban went 201-29 and at Alabama – and he it's went disgusting. 117 and 18 in the conference. And if you take out that 07 year, which was basically just him getting everything in a row from boosters, from coaches, which was like, him fixing the program. Yeah. He had like, he had a line too, like in that first year where it was like, the most important thing to know is that there's one voice in a program and it's mine. Like he was getting everybody in a row outside of that year. They didn't make the sec championship game twice from 2008 to 2023 um and they won three national championships from 09 to 12 they won three more from 15 to 20 just there's there's no way to follow that so i agree with you like following a legend like that is really hard and following a guy like that is really hard so i think my condol i mean not my condolences whoever's going to show up to that next job is going to make tens of millions of dollars i don't feel bad he's going to be paid handsomely but uh i do think that that guy whoever it is is kind of doomed i started to say this as like a reason maybe maybe you wouldn't take the alabama job because if, if you're leaving another high achievement position because now with the 12 team playoff it used to be you know why would brian kelly leave notre dame for lsu other than because of money it's because it does put you in a more accessible place to a championship yeah i would argue that yeah. it, it's yes. being at LSU, being at an SEC power, even if you're the second best team in the SEC in any given year, it can be easier to get yourself in the national championship right. conversation than being at Notre Dame in any given year. So I think that was, in a four-team playoff, I think that was an argument. Now that argument has been removed. 12-team playoff, like, it's it's not nearly as 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 significant to me. Uh, if, to, to, like... Who has a better chance of making the playoff in any given year going forward, Oregon or Alabama? Now that you take Nick Saban out of it, Oregon. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of equal. I would expect both of those teams to make a 12 team playoff a lot of the time, right? So it, 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 right now, we would probably still, your, your lean would be Alabama, but you're imagining the Alabama of Nick Saban and what it's been for the last 20 plus years. You're not maybe truly, you don't know what the future is going to look like there. So 
I think that would be a factor too. Like if, if that's not going to be, if you aren't really putting yourself in more closer to the championship, I don't know if it's beneficial to make the jump. I think it depends on the NIL aspect of this. Because you said earlier, Nathan, it's like it does seem like down there, just in the SEC in general, it does seem like it's a little bit more. You know, the bo- boosters in the SEC are seeming, see, it means more in the SEC, you know, in terms of their willingness to throw it around, just, just throw the money around, especially in the recruiting space. And if you're a Northern coach, and obviously we cover Ohio State, so we're going to talk about this in Ohio State's perspective, but if it feels like you could leave a Northern school where that doesn't seem to be prominent, right? There aren't boosters just willy-nilly throwing, you know, whatever, allegedly throwing money at recruits to come to schools, right? And it's part of the, to, to the Brian Kelly point. It's That's not going to happen at Notre Dame. They're not going to ever get to that far left with how they're handling their NIL spaces. So if you realize that and come to that reality, it's like, I can't, then there's a ceiling here. I can't win here. Because I can't maximize my roster the same way that some of these schools in the in the South are doing, and maybe even out West at this point, because you know Oregon's got Nike, they've got Phil Knight. If you come to that realization, and I think we've talked about this in the past, the playoff might reveal ceilings a little bit more often. Yeah, because there is it takes out that idea of like we've used this excuse a lot too. It's like well, Texas had to like it was the easier path for Texas to work its way back into the college football playoff than it was for Ohio state when it lost to Michigan. That's not going to be true anymore, but if Ohio state is consistently losing in the quarterfinal or consistently, you know, not getting the buy in the first round and losing in the first round, well then, you know, you're ceiling it's tangible now. And so it's like, well, I, I don't know how I get any further than that at this location. So maybe I need to go to a location where there's a chance that I can, raise my ceiling more than it's ever going to naturally be here and so that's why I, I this question ended up having so many different layers to it and that's what i that's what i wonder with ryan day and that's why i asked about the culture fit nathan is because for one i did not realize he'd only spent one year in the south but i do wonder if the nil situation of it all the way it seems like some regional programs are willing to handle it versus others does that start to sway certain coaches in the north and about how they make decisions about where they want to spend their careers at. It's possible. I also think that the, the, the North is also figuring some things out. Ohio State's figuring mm-hmm. some NIL things out. Like the, the, they, I mm-hmm. think there's there's going to be a gap that gets closed here between where some of mm-hmm. the um, most uh, well-funded um, programs were initially able to jump up and go in the SEC – and mm-hmm. where everybody else is going to be like, there's, there's a leveling of the playing field that's happening right now. Seems to be, seems to be. So a couple more, because listen, I mean, y'all ask good questions and we have long conversations about it. That's what we do here on Buckeye Talk. Quick James Laurinaitis thing. And it's just because people are worried about this and they're going to be worried about it, especially after the conversation we had on the pod on, when, on Thursday, excuse me, from the 216 with all the coaching changes about to happen. Shouldn't the Buckeyes lock down James Laurinaitis before Marcus Freeman or Luke Fickle come after him? Nathan, the floor is yours. Sorry, repeat that question again. I was distracted (laughs) by a tweet. With all the coaching changes about to happen, shouldn't the Buckeyes lock down James Laurinaitis before Marcus Freeman or Luke Fickle come after him? So it's an interesting question, and we haven't talked to James Laurinaitis for a while. Like We talked to him right after he got to campus, right after Ohio State hired him. 
last Correct. winter. We have not talked to him since then on the record. Mm-hmm. My understanding was that he did move back here to Columbus and it involved, he had sold his home in Columbus, I think to move to yeah. South Bend and I think has now moved back and it was this whole process. And I'm not sure how quickly bought his he old home back. I think maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he wants to go through that whole process again this quickly. Not that he, I mean, certainly there would be an amount of money that would make that worthwhile, I suppose. But I think he and Ohio State both want this to work long term mm-hmm. and both want him here to start his coaching career long term. Do I think they need to do it just to fend off advances from other? That's I, I don't know. That's a question that, that James Laurinaitis has to answer to some extent. Uh, like I said, when we were talking about the coaching changes the other day, a vibe that I got from conversations I was having in the wake of the Parker Fleming firing was that James Laurinaitis might get promoted to linebackers coach, but that there are still some other things going on there that maybe that's not where they would use that position, that they would keep him as a GA for another year and, and then that change would maybe happen down the line. Like, like for instance, and I, this isn't what I was told, but you can speculate this pretty easily. If they wanted to hire someone else to come in and be sort of the assistant defensive line coach with Larry Johnson, to, to insulate themselves against the negative recruiting that happens about, well, what's going to happen with Coach Johnson leaves? Because then you can always say, we have um, Mini-Me or whoever like they're hiring as, as the, the the successor. We're like, don't worry about Larry Johnson leaving. We've got the guy you're, you're going to have. He's right here. It's going to be the guy. At least giving people that certainty. Then if Larry Johnson were to leave in a year, for instance, then you could just promote James Laurinaitis then. So that's on the table, I think. Something like that. But I think it is worth... Like they, they can't get caught dawdling. I don't know that there's a lot of examples though in the time that I've been here. If Doug were still here, he'd probably have some examples, like going back to uh, the mid sixties or whenever he started covering this team. Um and I'm sure, yeah, go ask go ask Tim May. I bet he's got some examples of guys who got away who who were like clearly yep. like star players or star star coaches on the rise who Ohio State wanted to keep but couldn't keep because of money because of, of whatever else. Uh, Ohio State pays its assistance more than collectively, more than any team in the country or as well as any mm-hmm. program in the country. Um, they may have to pay even more if they're doing this offensive coordinator thing that Ryan Day wants to do. So they probably are not that in danger of losing anyone that they want to keep unless it's a situation where, to, to you know, uh, if Keenan Bailey is offered an offensive coordinator position somewhere, they would love to keep Keenan Bailey, but that would be too big of a jump in title, too yeah. big of a jump in like continuing the momentum of his career, right? For James Laurinaitis, would it be worth leaving this situation and what both he and Ohio State seem to want to do long-term to go be the linebackers coach at Notre Dame where – Marcus Freeman's doing good things there, but there's no guarantee Marcus Freeman's still the head coach there in two, three years. Mm -hmm. Because he could also leave on his own accord. He could have success there and leave for something else. So I that it that would come with its own uncertainty. I'm not I I guess I would say this. I don't know that that's a thing that Ohio State fans need to be super worried about. Ohio State has been identifying whether it's Brian Hartline, whether it's Keenan Bailey, varying levels of 
what we're talking about there, but and identifies guys that it believes in and does what it takes to keep them around. And I think if if Laurinaitis were getting those sorts of overtures, I think the same thing would be true. I think they would find a way to to keep him here and not just let him get you know sneak out the back door. Yeah, if it, they kept Keenan Bailey. Go ahead, um, Andrew. Go well, ahead. I was going to say I, the, the two examples that got brought up, like I don't know if the jump from, you know, GA to, to uh, 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 linebackers coach, like is that a, like is it from non-assistant, non-full-time assistant to full-time assistant as a linebackers coach, like is that enough to make that move to a Wisconsin or to a Notre Dame for Laurinaitis, like Nathan was saying? I don't know. And are you doing that in the hopes that you're going to be a defensive coordinator one day? Well, I mean, look at Notre Dame and Wisconsin's defensive coordinators. Wisconsin hired Mike Tressel, and if that name sounds familiar, it should. He's the nephew of Jim Tressel. Um, he's the he was hired with uh, Luke Fickle in 2023. I mean, he also coaches linebackers at Wisconsin. And Al Golden is one of the highest paid coordinators in college football, or is about to be. And he also coaches linebackers at Notre Dame. So it's, you know, you're kind of waiting on one of those guys to leave. And you're kind of waiting on the hope that one of those guys leaves. So I don't know if it's, you know, necessarily a, a huge concern because it just goes back to it where it's like, would you want to leave Ohio State? to go because no I don't think any team's gonna give him a defensive coordinator job right now. So like or at least like a big time program. So what team is worth it for him to leave Ohio State and go to be a linebackers coach? Go to be the linebackers coach and some other qualification on that staff? Like I, I just don't I just don't see the fit or the value for that right now. So I, I don't know if necessarily the pressure should be that high. I mean, the reason they brought those two places up is obviously Marcus Freeman was his team man in Ohio State, and Luke Fickle was his position coach. So that's well, that's why and that's why those situations would be. And also, I'm sure he's from Minnesota, so it's Wisconsin's probably closer to his hometown. But like Nathan said, I mean, they people tried to pull that Keenan Bailey for years when Keenan Bailey was in James Ornai's position, and Ohio State found ways to keep him, and he wasn't an alumni who was a prominent figure in Ohio State football history. So I, I think. People shouldn't be as worried about that. So that'll wrap up this rapid fire recruiting pod. We kept it under an hour. We did it. We finally kept a, a rapid fire pod under an hour. We can pat ourselves on the back for that. That'll wrap up this week of pods. On Monday, we're looking back on our market down Monday predictions from the beginning of the season. It's kind of funny. We were wrong about a lot. It was. It's actually a little scary. We got to be better at this next summer, or more than likely, we're just going to be wrong again because that's part of doing this job. Is you're wrong a lot when you're predicting things in college football. But that'll wrap things up. 614-350-3315. Get the text. Two-week free trial. $399 after that. As we're recording this pod, we're still waiting on the decisions from Travion Henderson and JT Tui Malowal. And we're still waiting on Marvin Harrison Jr. to actually publicly tell us he's going to the NFL draft. Because for whatever reason, he has still decided not to do that, even though we all know what he's doing. So we're just waiting on you, Marv. Just waiting on you, but when we find out all that information, it goes to your phone for 614-350-3315 for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.